I'm Tommy Salmons. This is Year Zero. Take two. When you have young children, you find out very quickly the instinct of people and humanity to use violence to achieve their ends. And you spend much of the first few years of a child's life teaching them that violence isn't the answer, that violence isn't the best method for achieving your ends and you're teaching them don't hit don't scratch don't poke don't kick and to use communication skills and to ask permission or to be more civil in their interactions with other children Then you turn around and you send them to institutions, teach them history, show them documentaries, lead by example. And they see the glorification of the violence of the military and police throughout history. And they're left with this contradiction in their mind. And with that contradiction in their mind, some of them never mature emotionally to the point where they get beyond the idea of violence being the answer to their problems. And so they either grow up to seek out positions in the world that permit violence and violent institutions or they seek out violent means as a, as a method for reaching their goals. In this way, you end up with violent style revolutionaries without any true adherence to history or 
what these violent revolutions ultimately lead to. When you read Emma Goldman, My Disillusionment disillusionment in Russia, you find out that the violent means led to the ends of the Bolsheviks governing the country with an iron fist. In that they had no more use for those looking for peaceful ends for the anarchists, the anarcho-syndicalists, and that they began to persecute them. When you look at the Spanish Revolution, you find out that the anarchists won small victories, seized Catalonia, and as the Civil War progressed, the communists turned the guns on the anarchists. This is what Albert J. Knott meant when he said there was no such thing as a revolution, but only a coup. It was only one political group seizing the power from the other political group and then ruling with an iron fist. Whether it be the Constitution or the Soviet bloc. And I plan on doing a pretty detailed podcast on the Constitution and why the Constitution is not libertarian and has no place in the libertarian movement. But that will be a much more researched, studied, and intricate podcast. Um, Hopefully, it will be ready next week. But for this week, given I'm running late, I lost track of time, and I hadn't really been thinking real intently about anything since my interview on the Revolution Report on Sunday, I figured it was about time I publish a podcast, and I wanted to get into the revolutionary thought and what I see in the political arena around us. It's no wonder, given the contradictions that children experience throughout their life when it comes to violence, that they grow up to be nationalists or socialists or communists or whatever other kind of ist or ism that you want to put in there. Seeking to seize the monopoly on violence to use against their political opponents and to coerce and force their political opponents to 
live under such a structure as they design and see as legitimate and fit for themselves. And if you take the lesson, lessons that you teach your children, the lessons that to be civil, to be cooperative, to live voluntarily amongst other children on the playground, the use of violence is not only unnecessary, but unproductive. You begin to see that the libertarian perspective on the society would be the consistent ends. The libertarian perspective of, of which being that it is more beneficial to live peacefully among your peers to not rob, cheat, steal, kill, assault your peers, but to cooperate voluntarily, to communicate, and to seek out those that are willing to cooperate and communicate voluntarily with you. And that those, that is the means to a civil society. And as I see more and more of your typical vote blue no matter who, Democrats leaning to, towards Bernie Sanders, and this might be completely anecdotal, it is just what I see in my interactions and in my life. I can't help but think that these people would be the same people telling their children not to try to force Billy to play their game. To allow Billy to peacefully play his own game on the playground. And that the playground acts as a mini model of society and how society should function. That those children using violence against other children are ostracized, are disciplined. And that those cooperating and playing peacefully with each other are left to their devices, are left to form their games and play their games in such ways. That adults should take a lesson from their own book and learn how to play cooperatively and voluntarily with each other. And to allow for other games to be taking place and not try to control others.
yet they live this internal contradiction, turning to their worst instincts when they feel that something may threaten their ideals and their thought processes. That they turn to violence as their means to an end. And so, not only is it surprising to see the vote blue no matter who crowd turning to the Bernie Sanders camp. But the more I think about it, the more I contest the anarchist crowd that want to vote for Bernie Sanders. At the core of anarchism is the dissolving of the state. The destruction of the state. Ridding society, ridding peaceful citizens, choosing to live their lives from the violence and coercion of the parasite, parasitic managerial class that rules from the foundation of government. And to replace that government with your own violent monopoly is no more legitimate and makes you does not make you an anarchist. Anarchy at its very root is voluntarist. Whether you believe anarchy is the absence of hierarchy, whether you believe anarchy is the absence of government, whether you believe anarchy is the absence of the state, it's really semantics. You're arguing a semantic point of view. You're getting into the pedantry of your internal definition for each of these, excuse, sorry, Boogie is kind of driving me crazy. As soon as I started talking, he woke up. Um, Getting into these terms that you wish to fulfill through your own ideology. Now, where was I going with this? I read an article by Nikki Reed, who is an avowed communist, anarcho-communist, in which she advocates panarchy, understanding that Not voting for Bernie Sanders or Donald Trump or uh, Hillary Clinton or any of these politicians that swear that they have the answer to our problems that only wish to use violence 
against peaceful people to achieve their ends. She realizes that this is not the answer to the fractionization, the fractioning of the country as we see today, even the fractioning of the world as we see today, that this only leads to more violence and more violent means in order to achieve ends in which you are seizing not the means of production, but the means of violence against peaceful peoples. And so she says that it is necessary that all anarchists understand that the root of anarchy is the existence of society through voluntary cooperation. That if you wish to start a monarchy in your region, you can have your monarchy. And just because I disagree with your monarchy doesn't mean I can dismember it. It just means that people have the freedom to come and go into your monarchy as they see fit. And that if some people want to live under your monarchy, so be it. If some people want to live under your fascism, so be it. If some people want to live under your socialism, so be it. If some people want nothing more than to live atomized in autonomous lives away from everyone else, so be it. But that it is not a legitimate means to any kind of peaceful end to seize the monopoly on violence, to force others to live under a system that you believe is best. Because your belief for me is nothing more than your opinion. And that I ultimately hold the power to choose for myself what is best for me. And so, as you look at these people, these anarchists, that suggest, and I say that in quotes, that suggest that Bernie Sanders is their best bet, that growing the state is their best bet at achieving their ideal society, you have to question whether or not they are anarchists because they don't want to live in their society. They are looking to seize the monopoly on violence in order to force you to live in their society. And that anarchy at its very root is voluntarist. In that the voluntarist route would be to not seize the monopoly on violence, but to dismantle the monopoly on violence, to get rid of the national security state, to get rid of the drug war, to get rid of the welfare system, to get not to advocate for a universal health care system, but to rid the health care system of government intervention. 
to stop sanctions and tariffs and wars, to destroy the Pentagon, to shred the powers of the federal government, not expand upon them. And this is where I get into the part that does not allow me to post this on the Libertarian Institute. There's only one candidate for president of the United States that is talking about dismantling the powers of the federal government. And that is Jacob Hornberger, who is well on his way to becoming the nominee of the Libertarian Party. Jacob Hornberger wants to bring the troops home on day one. Jacob Hornberger would end the war on drugs, therefore completely shredding the DEA. Jacob Hornberger would lift all gun laws, completely dismantling the ATF. Jacob Hornberger would do everything in his power to fight the National Security Act of 1943 in order to dismantle the CIA and the FBI and the NSA and the DIA. Jacob Hornberger would send those enlisted men and women back into the workforce, into the marketplace creating voluntary, voluntary institutions and voluntary jobs and co-ops in which you wouldn't be forced to pay their salaries. Jacob Hornberger would completely, he would attack ferociously the institutions that have created these bureaucratic nightmares that continuously inflate the money supply or make healthcare more expensive, make colleges more expensive. Jacob Hornberger is the closest thing to a voluntarist candidate that we have seen since Ron Paul. And that an anarchists should unite behind Jacob Hornberger, not because they think Jacob Hornberger is the best to rule over everyone, but because Jacob Hornberger at this point in time is our best bet to be able to rule over ourselves and to create the societies and the panarchist system that allows for anarchists to live peacefully and without the coercion and the monopoly on violence hung over our head. We'd be able to start our communes and to operate in the marketplace laissez-faire without government intervention in our lives. That we'd be able to, that we'd see whatever monetary system or trade system that we advocate for as legitimate 
and not being threatened by the federal government because it undermines their power. So, if you, if you are saying that you are an anarchist, and you are supporting Bernie Sanders, you have to question whether or not your claim to violence to use against other people is any more legitimate than the Trump supporters claim to violence or the Hillary supporters claim to violence or the Bloomberg supporters claim to violence. And just because you believe that your intent is better than the intent of anyone else does not give you a legitimate right to use violence against anyone else. That your claim that, well, I'm using violence for humanitarian purposes is no different than John McCain saying he's bombing Syria for humanitarian purposes. Or that they're bombing Yemen for humanitarian purposes. It's the same thing. You are advocating for more violence. Now, to move away from the Jacob Hornberger and the political angle for a second, I want to address another subject of history that we are seeing occur today, that libertarians must learn how to embrace properly. In, during the Civil Rights Movement, The Black Panthers and many black separatist groups took very hardline violent stances. And though I don't agree with their hardline violent stances, I recognize that Martin Luther King Jr.'s achievements in many ways were due to those violent stances and the use of violence by these groups. And that Martin Lu- that it gave Martin Luther King Jr. leverage to say, well, you can either deal with me peacefully or you can deal with them violently. And that it gave the government an ultimatum. Libertarians and libertarian activists without advocating or embracing the violent methods of Antifa or Black Lives Matter or any of these other revolutionary groups should begin to examine ways in which we can use their violence in our favor and say, look, you can either deal with us and remove some of these burdens off of the citizenry, allow us to create 
our free trade zones, allow us to create our communes in which we participate voluntarily amongst each other without your involvement, or you can deal with them. And you can deal with violence on the streets and play that game for the rest of your days. Because violence begets violence. And as we've seen, no amount of violence stops, even curbs, or manages the radical more terroristic elements of a society. Al-Qaeda doesn't, didn't just go away because the United States invaded and started bombing. ISIS didn't just go away. What do they do? They may back off, disappear, reorganize, and show back out as another organization, but they never go away. Their numbers keep growing, and they keep fighting. They never go away. And so it is a tightrope libertarians must start learning to utilize without advocating or embracing the means and the methods of those childish, immature, violent authoritarians looking to seize the monopoly on violence to use against the rest of us. We must learn to advocate for their freedom to have their communes in their areas outside of the parameters and scope of the federal government, just like we advocate for our free market areas outside of the scope and the reach of the federal government. I'm not an activist or anyone who knows how to organize large groups and large swaths of these movements. But what I do recognize is there is historical precedent where peaceful people have leveraged the violence of revolutionary and terrorist organizations in order to achieve their ends. And that if libertarians can learn from history, from Martin Luther King Jr., on how to best utilize those more radical, revolutionary, violent elements, in our favor, that it may go to serve the purpose of liberty for millions of people and to help 
dismantle this monopoly on violence that the federal government holds over our heads. Anyway, it's just a couple of things I was thinking about as I'm driving down the road. Um, hopefully, I gave y'all a, a couple of little nuggets that were worth talking about and discussing further. I'm Tommy Salmons. Late.